0: So, after visiting our church, a person wrote this about her experience here. I really felt love, a deep sense of love for the church, in the church for each other, and for visitors. I'm very thankful for the experience that that person had when they were here at Cana. But, it caused me to ask questions. And I know we have a number of visitors here, so... What I'm going to encourage you to do is, as you hear this, as we go through and explore this this morning, think of yourself in your own community, in your own church, okay? So it, has, it caused me to ask questions when I received this email. And the question is, why do we offer kindness to each other here on Sunday mornings? Why do we offer kindness to each other here on Sunday mornings? Is it because it is the Christian thing to do when one is in church? Is that why we do it? Or is it a genuine expression of the faith we are pursuing? A faith that says to love God and love others is the chief end of man. Are we acting a part that we believe we have to play because we are at church Or are we really trying to push into authentic community? Now, knowing many of you as well as I think I do, I believe it is the latter. I believe our kindness on Sunday mornings is a genuine expression of our faith and that we do try to pursue authentic community. But still, I ask this question because of that visitor's experience. You see, here's the rest of her story. She and her husband were active in their own church. They were leading worship. They taught Bible studies. They were very engaged in a very loving Christian community. Then her husband was diagnosed with cancer, and he tragically died within a year. Ten months from diagnosis to death. When he first got sick, there was a lot of support from the church they were in. And when he died, people rallied around her and the kids. But as the days turned to weeks, and the weeks to a couple of months, she felt as though people had done their Christian duty and were now back to their own worlds. She describes what happened in these tragic words, I felt dropped. And she soon stopped going to church altogether. She wrote to me, I wish Cana was close to where I live so I could come to your church. The thing is, though, as wonderful as she makes Cana sound, and as initially thrilled I was to hear this, it actually made me pause. For I have to ask, would we, given the same situation, be any different? And I ask this not to offend anyone. No one should be offended. I ask it simply because I've been around long enough to know that there are plenty of churches that can pull it together for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning and create a wonderfully loving space. And I am confident that the people in her life were no less Christian than we all claim to be. And I am confident her church was as welcoming on Sundays as ours is. The question is, what about the rest of the week? And what about the rest of our lives? Church is living community. Now, I want to be clear. Sunday morning is a very important part of living community. You see, here's why Sunday morning is an important piece of community. And I understand why people that are still incredibly into pursuing faith in God and incredibly love Jesus Christ are leaving church. I get that. I understand what the new look is to not do formal church. I understand all that. But here's why I think church is still beautiful and not because I am the pastor of a church. I've said this many times at Cana, if Cana comes to an end, I will still find myself in a church. For these reasons, coming together to purposefully worship God through praise and songs and prayers and liturgy and teaching and Bible readings is very important. Coming to a gathering of people where you are trying to explore the questions you have and the doubts you have about faith in in an environment that's safe, like Sam said about community. Communities are most safe when you can have differences of opinion and challenge each other is important. Coming together on Sunday morning to encourage each other. I've said this a lot as we've gone through this Canaan experiment, I call it. That yeah, maybe you wake up some Sunday morning and it's not convenient for you to come to church, but you don't know what your presence might mean to someone else that's at church that day. Encouraging them and inspiring them to be part of this. And coming together to celebrate Eucharist is massively important. Massively. That's why we continue to do it every week here at Cana. This is the one thing Jesus gave us to do. Do this. I don't know how it has gone missing in Christianity so much. This is eternally important. But if passive participation in a Sunday morning service, service, when it is convenient for us, if that is the beginning and end of our church, then I would suggest it's not church at all, Or, at least it's not God's dream for what church looks like. Let's look at what God's dream looked like through the earliest believers. Some of these people knew Christ personally that were living like this. This is what God in them was teaching them church was. Our reading this morning is from the book of Acts. But I have to say something about reading the book of Acts. When we read this book, especially the parts of this book like this that really tell us about the day-to-day lives of the earliest believers, we will all tend to hear a very small voice whispering in our ear or maybe shouting in our ear saying something along these lines. Well, that all works for them because they lived in a time and place when that stuff was normal. You can't live like that here and now. If we are ever going to live more fully into the kingdom of God, I strongly recommend we ignore that voice. Number one, we should ignore that voice because it's a lie. It's a lie. For the way the earliest believers lived seemed as crazy to their society as it does to our society. Everyone thinks that the earliest believers were martyred by the Romans because of their professed faith in Jesus Christ. That's not true. Rome was the most religiously tolerant empire. You could worship, claim to worship, whatever God you wanted to. They did not care. The problem was these people didn't just profess faith in Jesus Christ. They lived it out. And because of that, because they lived the way he taught them to, that created all sorts of problems for empire. All sorts of problems. Number one, they lived like this. And the first thing they did, along with all of these crazy things, they didn't fight the empire's wars. That's why the empire hated them and killed them. They had no use for them. Do you know what happens today in this country if you dodge the draft, or God forbid, you, God forbid you speak out against war? Oh, boy, do you get labeled as unpatriotic and as unchristian. But I don't get it. Why would we be unchristian? The earliest believers refused to participate in the empire's wars. They didn't buy into the empire's idea of economics. That's why the empire had no use for them. Do you know what happens today if you criticize capitalism? Oh, you're a socialist, or worse, you're a communist. Oh no, not that evil. And every day, they had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Anyone. Not their own tribe. This is why they were hated. They didn't stamp in God we trust on their currency. I still don't know why we do. The U.S. dollar is not accepted in heaven. It never will be. And they would not bow to Caesar. Who do we bow to? Oh, we only bow to Jesus, David. Do we? I know a bunch of gods in my own life I bow to every day that look nothing like Jesus Christ. This description of life amongst the earliest believers was as crazy then as it is now. And until we understand that, until I understand that, it's hard to push into authentic community. No matter what we call ourselves. But I suppose divine love is crazy, right? They called, Paul said, it's foolish. And secondly, I think we should learn to ignore that voice that tells us we can't live like the earliest followers of Christ. Because we are basically rejecting the Holy Spirit rejecting God in us when we do that that's what we're doing see Scott McKnight points out that the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles but it would be better called the Acts of the Holy Spirit for this book is all about what God was doing through people they didn't want to do that but they were surrendered to what God in them was doing I get why we don't want to do that all those things I just said I hope you don't I wasn't pointing finger at anyone I was pointing a finger at me I don't live like this I don't want to live like this I get it but here's the thing this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in people and wants to do in people I'm sorry but the Holy Spirit is not inspiring our political agendas and he is not inspiring our theological agendas he doesn't care just like Jesus didn't care about the Roman Empire other than don't bow to Caesar and don't fight his wars. And don't buy into his economy. Love others. Think of it this way. And I'm sorry I'm so loud. I'm not loud because I'm yelling, I'm loud to, to get across the din. I hope everyone understands that. Because some people are looking at me like, why is he yelling? I'm not obs- I, I don't yell a lot, but there's a family service. I get, I get, I'm projecting. This is what Paul told the Galatians. And by the way, we're almost done with Galatians. We're going to finish up after Easter, so we'll be getting to this. But he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there isn't law. So I want you to think of it this way. If we all truly allowed God to really control our lives, which would mean these were the fruits that would be coming out of our lives if God was really in control, then what do you think would form even if we weren't trying. Community. Because who doesn't wanna be with people like this? This is like, this is why little radical communities form. Because no one likes to be with people that are full of hate and rage, so they all have to find each other. But if more and more people just live like this, you wanna be with people like that. When Jennifer and I first got married, and I'm gonna embarrass her, but that's okay. Um, I'm sorry, honey, it's a good embarrassment. I'm complimenting. We had a store up in Vermont, and man, everyone, all of, our, all of our purveyors, all the people that sold us our stuff, and all our customers loved coming in to see my wife. Not only is she pretty, but this, this is pretty much my wife. Right? Everyone that knows her, th- this is Jennifer. Sometimes I'm not kidding, I'd be in there working and the coke guy would come in and he'd and keep him up and, he'd, and his face would like drop. Why are you here? I'm like, sorry, Joe. Let me call my wife. You love being with people like this. Which is why some author wrote, if we make loving others the focus, we will have community. Wow, it sounds like Jesus, right? Hey, love others, everything else is just a footnote. It's not that everything else is important. It's that everything else takes care of itself when you love others. That's the thing. That's the thing I've never gotten. Everyone always wants to talk about accountability and and keeping people from doing bad things. Guess what? The only accountability we should be talking about is are you loving others? Because when you truly love your neighbor or your spouse or this, you can't do 99% of the things you do. How do you sleep with your neighbor's wife if you love them? See, that's why Jesus said just love others. Community forms. Scott McKnight writes it this way. The Holy Spirit whispers community everywhere the Spirit goes. Where there is community, there is Spirit. Where there is no community, there is no Spirit. The Spirit brings love, justice, and peace for all in the community. In fact, it takes God's spirit to create community because we, no matter how hard we try, are unloving, unjust, and unpeaceful. We need the spirit to live in community. That is so beautiful. Right? And I'm fine with that. I am unloving, I am unjust, and I am unpeaceful. But the Holy Spirit in me sometimes changes me. And it's beautiful. We need the Holy Spirit. That's why we celebrate community. Because when you come to this table, you 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 come knowing, well, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Because I am unloving, unjust, unpeaceful. But God loves me and saves me. It's so beautiful. We need the Spirit. So I think if we can oh, if we can stop listening to that voice that tells us it is impossible to live like this. If we can stop listening to that voice. Listen. One of the greatest things the enemy of souls did is turn this into horror. If you start living like this, it's not going to be Waco. Trust me. It's not going to be Jonestown. Those didn't form because of that. Those formed because of charismatic, dynamic leaders that were able to brainwash people. That's not what this was. This was the Holy Spirit bringing people together. And if so, if we can stop thinking it's impossible, I think Acts can be an incredible model for us. Imagine if this is how we really lived all the time. Community would form. And I want to make a side note. For those of us that have a strict idea of evangelism, which is fine. That's fine if that's your thing. Notice. Notice what this says. What happens When they were living like this, look what happened. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That wasn't the bullhorn guy on the corner. That wasn't pull-up tent revivals. So if you're really into strict evangelism, getting people to commit to Christ, awesome, go for it. But guess what? Stop talking. And let's just live. Love. For each other. So I ask again do we have a nice Sunday morning church or do we have community? Or because life is fluid, maybe I should ask it this way are we building a nice Sunday morning church or are we building community? I hope and pray that as Cana approaches its 10th anniversary, we are all trying to surrender to what God is doing in us and through us and building a community that changes each other's lives and the world around us. But here's the thing to remember, and this is important. Community is not perfect. And community is not immediate. We are a fast food nation. We want it now. That's not how the Holy Spirit does His thing. If God was comfortable writing scriptures over God knows how many years, and not to offend anyone, but if he was comfortable building this universe in tens of billions of years, I think he's comfortable that community develops slowly. It's okay. And it's messy, and it's hard. See, here's what community means. It means struggles. Cana knows that. Ten years this year, we've had our struggles. It means conflict. You can't get two people in a room for long before conflict arises. It means messiness. When you have a messy person like me and another messy person trying to do community, guess what community is? It's messy like this slime. I hope this is slime and not gum. Is it slime? Yeah, see? That point. That would have been really messy if it was gum. So, what do you, that's why. And I think people get so disillusioned so quickly with community because it's not easy. Well, what is easy? Right, Harvey? Thank you. It's not easy, it's messy and it's hard, it has challenges. And guess what community also requires is sacrifice. But believing that is God's dream for us, to be an authentic community, to live church, then maybe we will be courageous enough to ask Him to take over and run our lives in that direction. Think of Acts 2 whenever you're wondering where the power of the Holy Spirit is in your lives. It's not that the Holy Spirit or God has abandoned you at all. But if we're trying to go in a direction the Holy Spirit's not going, He's not going to be able to help us. He's trying to build Acts 2 and we're trying to build something completely different. He hasn't abandoned us. We're just not listening. And finally, and I'm going to let Scott McKnight say it for me, Community is like peace in that it is a result instead of an action. This is the most important definition of community you've ever heard, and I hope you take it to heart. Peace results from acts of justice and behaviors of love. Community also emerges out of loving loving behaviors like compassion and an embrace and forgiveness. To receive community, we must be willing to lay down our lives in the pain of genuine relational struggle so that community will emerge as it did when Pentecost first happened. I think sometimes people have this idea that church is just supposed to be automatically community. No, church is people living towards community. So I pray that here at Cana, And visitors in your own churches, we are all about willingness to lay down our lives in the pain of genuine relational struggle so that community will emerge as it did when Pentecost first happened.